Welcome to The Bacon Show. I'm Mike. I'm Stefan. This is going to be a serious one. It's going to be a fun one, though, I think. And if we don't confuse literally ourselves and everyone else. When? When I confuse myself. Oh, that if. This is not going to be an if. <laughs> we, we are going to talk about free will. Are we which free? Which is very interesting. And I would say as... As non-scientists, as non-philosophers, as non-theologians, we, we, do we even know what we're talking about? We have no reason to talk about this, is what he's no basically reason. saying. Which is no, why it should be a we're good show. About it. That's right. It's going to be a great show. It's going to be a good one. I just want to know, are we free to even talk about this? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That's the number one question. And everyone. I feel like by the end of this... My answer will be the same. <laughs> I, don't I still know. don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, the topic came up because where, how did, how did we land on this? Just we were talking about like stuff. science and religion a little bit, and somehow we got on the free will kind of topic a little bit towards the end, I think. Yeah, I, it was, um, so Sam Harris, if anyone knows who Sam Harris is, he released the podcast on his final thoughts on free will on his interpretation of the, the concept of it. Um, and then you sent back another um, thought on free will from yeah. maybe a religious perspective. And I think that's where we were like, yeah, this could make a good topic. This could be interesting, yeah. Uh, we should, maybe we should define what we think free will is. Yeah, I, I think this is where, this is the... <laughs> Even the definition is where I started to stumble. <laughs> I went straight to Merriam-Webster. I went to the dictionary. Exactly. This is what I'm sticking with. <laughs> so I found a, a version of this definition as well. The ability to choose between more than one viable option or action in, that, in which that choice was up to the user. So I guess to, that's to, that's as an idea, it's... Uh, the the opportunity to pick between options where you feel like you're the one doing the picking. Right. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I liked this one too from, uh, from the dictionary freedom of humans to make choices that are not determined by prior causes or divine intervention. Ooh. So that is so important. So the determined by prior causes. That's yeah. That's is, where we start to get into the weeds, right? Well, this is where the, the proponents of free will as an illusion mm -hmm. are falling back to what's called determinism, which says that all events are predicated on prior causes. So right. everything that has happened was based upon things that had happened previously, which includes the environment around you, uh, who your parents are, your genes, genetics, all of those things that we didn't choose, all of that plays into this scenario of determinism. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So that maybe that helps with that part of that definition a little bit. I think so. The thing that I feel like I've been confused on in this initial idea of free will is that 
like let's say um let's say we're deciding what we want for dinner mm-hmm. and we have chipotle or pizza hut we're going out to eat and it's terrible choice night <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Like say pizza hut <laughs> the, the choice is obvious yeah <laughs> and uh let's say you pick one whichever it is and then the next night you decide that you have the same options and then you pick the other one well then you know people could say well isn't that free will what you I mean you 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 picked one and then in the future Let's say if you were at the first choice, you look in the future, you just say, when I do this again, I'll pick the other one. And that's kind of like that idea of free will. But I think for me, what I realized was when the discussion about free will is taking place, it's always predicated on what's happening now. Mm -hmm. So if you like determinism, then whatever that future event is, you would still say, well, it, it was determined on all the prior causes up until that present time that you made the choice again. Right. That type of thing. So So it would be more like um, the free will question would not be what you're choosing next time. It would be like if you could go back in time. Correct. Could you make a different decision? That is exactly it. And, right. and yeah. this is obviously an impossible thing because we cannot... Right rewind the universe yet but the the concept of determinism says if you rewound the universe the end of my sentence that i'm speaking right now is always going to be the end of the sentence that i just spoke always and always and forever and ever that's determinism i didn't have a choice before i said the end of the sentence to actually say something different that's yeah man let's throw an experiment out there yeah do it think of a balloon okay Okay. what color is the balloon got it don't need to tell you or is it like a magic trick no magic (laughs) it's a really simple experiment (laughs) Uh, the balloon is red okay it's a red balloon so prior to your brain uh showing you a red balloon did you have an option to pick a different color i would like to think so but if you don't know exactly so if, if you really pay attention to that exercise what you might find is that your brain showed you the red balloon hmm. and then that was it Now, your brain could have showed you more than one balloon. And let's say you decided between red and yellow that you ultimately picked yellow. You're not in control of the thoughts of the balloon that your brain is presenting itself. And this is another tenant of free will that I think is extremely important. Is that the thoughts that arise in our brains, we are not the author of meaning we aren't the one in control. We are simply bearing witness to the thoughts as they become known to our consciousness. And this is a tough, this is a very tough concept to wrap your brain around. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, so if we, if we are not in control, what is in control? 
Well, and so I think this is where determinism was born. It's everything around us, every experience that we've experienced, um, all the variables that are so far in our past that seemingly are invisible are all influencing what our brains are processing. And we like to tell, we as in humans, it appears from what I gather from the philosophers that, that like this concept, Mm-hmm. We'll tell ourselves stories to maintain this kind of a, an illusion that we are the one who picked this or we're the one who thought that or we wanted to make this decision contrary right. to what we wanted previously or however you tell yourself that. But since we're not the author of what bubbles up, then where is the freedom in that? So the thought experiment would go if the the balloon was red and the balloon was yellow, that's what your brain showed you and you decided on one of those. Were you free to decide on any of the colors that your brain didn't show you? Now, this is a thought experiment right. because you can't actually get there. But the concept is that, no, you can't pick a color that you were never picking, that you were never presented, right. that you right. weren't you weren't thinking of so where's the freedom in that because yeah that's really yeah i'm trying to work through this this is a difficult one (laughs) (laughs) and and harris said you know if this is this is probably one of the most free types of choices that we're going to ever have you know think of a balloon his example in his podcast was think of a movie right like of all the constrained choices that we have in life, this is probably one of the most freer choices that we'll ever come across. Yeah. And if, if we can't find free will here, then we most certainly can't find free will in anything (laughs) that we might call more important than, you know, the name of a movie or a balloon. Right. Now, this is one of the things I was thinking about um, when I was listening to the podcast a little bit. Mm-hmm. and then kind of cross-referencing some other stuff. It feels like to me that in some ways this is describing um, the beginning of a thought, like the impulse of a thought, but is it actually describing the thought? Well, I does that make sense? It does make sense. And this is also another part that I've had a tough time understanding and I'm not sure if my understanding has grown from that really tough part, but I'm going to try to parrot back what, I, what I've heard about this. And this is where we get into determinalism, determinism sorry, versus fatalism. Fatalism yeah. is that concept that no matter what you think or do or choose, the end is always going to be the same. So why do anything? Why get out of bed? Why fight a good fight, quote unquote? Why do anything? Mm-hmm. So the initial, what you are saying is the, the initial thought appears and then you've got a choice, right? Yeah. What, what determinism is saying is if the initial thought was always influenced by everything that happened in your past and everything around you, then there is no freedom, true freedom of will 
in that scenario. It's all based on okay. prior causal events. Meaning that if you were able to rewind the universe in some miraculous, you know, event, mm -hmm. you would always pick the same thing because all the influences, all the factors that that decision held that were around you would all be the same. And so the outcome would never, ever change. Would never, yeah. Your brain would never be in a state that would give you a different color than the balloon that it gave you. Okay. So th I think that's that's the thing that's been challenging for me because the the question would be well why why try to do anything <laughs> because it sounds like everything is right. so locked in place and my my question to that is is it possible then let's say we wanted to improve our lives in some fashion mm-hmm is it possible then to put ourselves in a future more, um, a future better state to reach that goal? Meaning, can I make a choice today? A, a good example is if I, right. if I ran two miles a day every day. Well, mm -hmm. if I did that in 30 days, one would say I might be in better shape. And so if I just made that decision daily, you know, I'm, I'm, building the momentum, let's call it, to get to that end right. goal. Is it possible to put yourself in a future better situation to where the influences around you are going to help you make that decision? It's almost like, you know, if you hang out with good people, are you, are you apt to make better decisions in the future or not? <laughs> right. I was thinking the same thing, but I was going the negative route. <laughs> Someone who like, uh, has has made what I call propaganda a little bit in the past. I was like, what well, could you make propaganda to influence future choices? If we don't have free will, how do we how do we make that work <laughs> to manipulate the population into thinking what we want them to think? Yes. Yes. I I, I think the answer is still the same because if if you buy into the concept of determinism, then no matter how far you go back, everything is arises out of a prior cause. Right. So all the, if you if you tip a domino and you you make them go all the way back to the beginning of life, all those causes are going to eventually lead you to whatever decision you're thinking you're you're making, no matter what. So that's not to say that things don't influence us in certain ways. And this is, this is, I think the the really mm -hmm. confusing thing or it has been for me, you know what I mean? It's that idea that can we actually pivot in different ways? And Harris talked about this as well. And he's, mm. he's saying that you can, and it's not a paradox. And I'm like, okay. really? <laughs> it seems like a paradox. It's, I mean, it almost seems like, there's it's it's an explanation to almost allow free will like to almost kind of influence future decisions well it's yes it's certainly saying that fatalism is not uh is not what's going on which i would yeah. say is a good thing yeah, because say throw fatalism out this is that's crazy yeah the <laughs> idea of you know whatever no matter what we do the the end is always going to be the same is yeah, a is a de I, very defeating concept that. We, we definitely don't want that, but mm -hmm. 
I, I think it is important to think that you can influence and your decisions certainly do matter. Um, yeah. It almost feels like, um, like a religious free will concept that I don't like, which was the idea of like, you can choose what road to go down, but that road is all already predetermined or known. Yeah. Is how a religion, a religious person might say. And I think this is, this is actually a paradox that I've never heard a very good answer to from Mm -hmm. the religious folks that believe in this idea that God knows the future which is right. to say that the future is determined. And at the same time, God wants to give you the yeah. freedom to choose Ex- to accept exactly. him or not. So it's almost like God is working against himself then. Yeah. To do what exactly? Like, this was one of my big things too. The way that I had it explained to you was like the road kind of idea. And the other one was the fishbowl idea. I don't know if you've heard that one before, no. which was someone, I mean, super smart person who I hate to admit it, but is probably a better filmmaker than I am in a lot of ways. <laughs> I was discussing this with, and they said, it's like a fishbowl. You can go wherever you want as long as you're in the fishbowl. And I was like, how, how is that free will? And they're like, how is it not free will? You can go wherever you want, as long as you're in the fishbowl. Well, does, the fish doesn't have the freedom to choose to jump out of the bowl. Yeah, this is what I tried to And so that, that sounds more like determinism than, you know, really it does. maybe anything else. But the... Yeah. The thing that's contradictory is the idea that God lets you choose your path, but also at the same time knows what you're going to choose. And I don't know what the end game is from there. It's the same question, you know, when something tragic happens, people may ask, well, where was God in this situation? Yeah. You know, why God was in control or. Yeah. So it's, so so from an, from a non-believer perspective, either God is impotent or evil meaning that God actually doesn't have the power that the Bible states he has and can't actually affect these future events. Most religious people won't subscribe to that at all. And the idea of evilness (laughs) means that God is perfectly willing to let innocent people have tragedies happen to et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and just stand by and do nothing, but is perfectly capable of doing that. Uh, yeah, it's it, called the the babysitter test. Yeah, <laughs> your God has to be able to pass the babysitter test, in my view. What's right? the babysitter test? If so, if you believe in an all knowing, all loving God, mm-hmm. and yet knowing what you know about that God, you wouldn't hire that God as your babysitter <laughs> because you know that God could stop that bus that's about to hit that car, but chooses not to. That's a God you wouldn't hire as a babysitter, and your God has to pass the babysitter test in order to be a loving God. <laughs> so Correct. that's what that is. Yeah. I mean, how can like millions of children under the age of five die every year? Right. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. So I 
the free will thing, I thought that was my problem, but my problem turned out to be uh, the concept of an all-powerful God, I think, mm. more than like the free will issue. The free will thing, I still haven't figured out. <laughs> well, I think that they kind of go hand in hand, and I think this is why if free will is an illusion, then the God that is described this way is also an illusion because mm-hmm. these things actually can't happen uh, outside of something that's completely magical or which is to say supernatural and right. magic, I guess, would be the only way to describe it. But it doesn't follow. It doesn't actually make any sense. And yeah, that helped me kind of pull that string and say, well, this, this you know, how can I believe in something that has no logical sense to it or it, it yeah. defies There's so some, many rules? Some people, I think some philosophers would, and I don't, I'm going to talk about this, but I don't really understand it, okay. <laughs> but would say that in the paradox is where you find the divine because you're talking about an infinite uh, in a God and you're talking about a finite in human beings. And so to bring those two together is, go- is, is going to be where your paradoxes occur. Um, like, like the story of Jesus on the cross who says, my God, why have you forsaken me? forsaken me? And so you have the concept of a God who is experiencing physically atheism. And there's the paradox that happens there. And they would say, this is where you find, you know, the divine potentially where the finite and infinite come together and you have paradox. I don't totally understand that, but there are some philosophers that would talk about that. Well, so my opinion about that is that it's not meant to be understood. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be profound right. in a way that impresses impressionable minds to say, Ooh, yeah. Totally blown away. I can't believe this is real. (laughs) Well, what if it's not? Right. So, yeah, I I don't know. I think anytime you describe things like that or I hear stuff like that, it's just like me thinking that at the core of the moon is uh, cheddar cheese. And that's what the core of the moon is made out of. And no one can tell me different because wouldn't that be crazy and profound if it was? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, if we're going to make things up, we can just make up anything. So we can't, I don't know. I don't like to appeal to, well, we don't know. Right. So God must have done it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I can see that. I understand that. Um, but to bring, uh, well, to bring it all back around to free will. Yeah. I think for me, after looking at this a little more, just for to prepare for our talk, mm-hmm. I feel a lot more comfortable with the idea that everything around me is producing the exact brain state that I have that that bubbles up these thoughts. And I think I, I've had a lot of, of time to allow the idea that I'm not the author of my thoughts to actually take mm-hmm. hold. Because if you, if you witness the experience of thinking and just uh, simply try to witness thoughts as they arise and how they arise, you'll quickly say that we have no clue what we're going to think next. 
Right. We literally don't. What are you going to think next? Like it, it could be literally anything. I feel like at times I have control. I have control over what I'm thinking about in a general sense, but in a specific sense, not so much. If that makes sense. It does. Yeah. You can. You could focus your brain on something like reading a book, mm-hmm. where you're going to consume information, and that information may or may not inspire you to think of something it might inspire you to think about your next meal because you're getting hungry you know i'll read a paragraph and literally have no clue what i just read and have to reread the thing over again because my mind just literally takes a left turn and i'm like checked out but i'm still reading the words (laughs) (laughs) do that all the time But I didn't choose that, right? I didn't choose to be distracted. Right. In fact, one could say I I was making every effort to not be distracted. And I'm just successful at it sometimes and sometimes I'm not. And then I have to hit the redo button. (laughs) Yeah, it's like trying to meditate. It's so hard sometimes. I mean, professionals maybe can do it. (laughs) But to quiet right? The mind and to put aside the thoughts. That is not an easy thing to do. You know what the big unlock for me was on meditation? Mm. It's not about removing your mind of thoughts because that's literally impossible. Right. It's simply about watching them, witnessing them arise and disappear. Mm. Now that is so much easier said than done. That's the true practice of meditation the promise is you don't get caught up in whatever emotion that any of these thoughts can instantly put you in or you can move away from those emotions very quickly right but this whole thing on free will i really do believe it hinges on the idea that we are not the author of our thoughts if you can't get there i think the, the rest of it is really tough to digest or it has been for me yeah so talking about free will and uh randomness this is kind of interesting right because i think that randomness may open the potential right for the idea of free will and we see i think from physics this says that at the at the most minute level of cellular activity, it's random, at least Mm. to some extent. I don't really understand it, but there's randomness at kind of the base of cellular activity. Mm. And to my mind, I feel like that randomness frees up the concept of of free will for a potential. Because if there is that randomness at the base of cellular activity that is making thoughts rise up, there's the potential to go back and say, maybe that balloon's not red, maybe that balloon's purple or something. Mm. But I don't know. I don't know either. Um, Harris did talk about this on his podcast. His concept of free will, or the lack of free will, or free will being an illusion, um, also, I would say, excludes randomness because if a truly random event happened to you, um, then in the idea of 
free will, where would the freedom mm-hmm. of choice be in that situation? Right. It would be, you would be affected by a cause that's completely outside of you um, and influencing, you know, whatever is going on. Um, so there, there's still no choice in that scenario. Now, whether on the atomic level, you know, you've got randomness happening, I don't think it gets you to where you've got a free will scenario on the, the macro scale of, of random events. Because mm. it's still an outside... It's still random. It's, it's a cause that's outside of us, like outside right. of our ability to choose it or not that is happening, that's affecting us. Mm. So that, that, that's how I would see or the best way maybe I can explain Okay. The idea of randomness. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I I, I feel like I need to do like more uh, research on that. Maybe idea. Um, where? Because I think I understand both positions to some extent, and I'm not sure which one I prefer. Well, where could randomness get you to free will? I guess. Well, I feel the like the idea that um, that random things are happening on the smallest level raises the possibility for different choices as we rise up um, as like that single cell becomes, you know, the emergent trillions of cells that human beings are. Um, I, I don't understand how that would influence that or interact with that. Like we wouldn't expect a single cell to be able to, you know, one day design an airplane but when we put trillions of those together, maybe it can do that. So I, I don't know how any of all of that might be able to come together in some way and create some sort of pathway towards the concept of free will. Does that make sense? I don't, to me, they wouldn't be, there wouldn't be a connection there. Um, because you're still, you're still working within the confines of, um, things that are outside of your control. One example is from Harris's podcast. We're not free to tell our heart to stop beating. We're also not free to have our cells stop dividing. Right. You know, we don't have control whether our liver works or not in the sense of, you know, given any, uh, anything that we presented, you know, obviously we're going to affect things. If you stab your heart with a knife, you're, you're going to make it stop beating. <laughs> right. But in, in the sense of free will, like it's a thought, it's a choice. We don't have these choices. These things are happening whether we consciously want them to happen or not. And so I would say the stuff that's happening outside of our conscious layer of um, awareness, like the experience of what it is to be alive, mm-hmm. um, has nothing to do with how we feel as a free agent, like we can make our own decisions or not. Every, those things might be causal, though. Those things might mm-hmm. determine whatever state our brain is in so that, you know, the balloon is red or maybe a week later the balloon is blue. Right. All of those things, and I think this is the tricky part, all of those variables are nearly invisible. Mm-hmm. And so it's so easy for the illusion to appear real because we're not paying attention to necessarily all of the variables that are happening 
um, maybe on an unconscious level that are affecting our choices or affecting how our brain is thinking or working in that specific moment. Okay. So it's so easy to think that, you know, we're the ones pushing, pulling the strings, but mm-hmm. I think if you, if you think through it, it's clear that we are the product of a lot of things we had zero choice in. So I feel like, uh, the idea of not being able to control your heartbeat, those kinds of things, it explains how it can explain how, um, how thoughts rise, but it doesn't explain to me the uniqueness that I see in human beings. Does that make sense? Well, I think they're different things. Okay. Because I, I, I don't think that they are, um, I don't think they're linked in a way that is, uh, one follows the other type of thing. Like we can be, I, th- I think what you're saying is if we didn't have the freedom to choose, then we would all end up kind of doing the same thing. Is that what you're asking? No, I, I um, like, I feel like, uh, like, uh, Harris is explaining the how, how things happen, but not why they happen. Mm, okay. I th- and I feel like that's where I'm losing it. Like that's where I'm, I'm getting muddy. Well, and that's and that's where I, <laughs> for me things like philosophy and religion might kind of help fill some of those gaps and maybe not explain but maybe help along. Buckle in. <laughs> Here we go. There is no why. <laughs> <laughs> right. There is no self. <laughs> well, yeah. I I guess I definitely understand the why gap. I mean, this is such a big question. It's yeah. almost like saying, why are we yeah. here even talking right. about this at this very moment? <laughs> why do we have the capacity to think of ourselves in this way, right? Like, why does this all exist? Right. The uniqueness of humans, right? The ability to uh, write a symphony, enjoy that symphony. Exactly. Exactly. But... I definitely think that was out of the scope of Harris's talk when it comes to the free will conversation. But I would say that um, at least for me, I don't, I don't have to operate with that in place in order to enjoy that symphony. Does that make sense? Mm, Right. Like I don't have to question whether I like reading a, a poem or looking at a nice painting or just enjoying a wonderful bowl of ice cream. Mm-hmm. I just do. And so I, I, I found freedom in giving up the idea that everything has to have a reason and a rhyme and, right. you know, a place when the world could work perfectly without one in, in so much as there's a lot of randomness going on. And if we're the mm-hmm. product of a lot of that randomness, even if you think of evolution and how we got here, that idea yeah. of, well, random selection brought us to this place where we can actually talk about our own consciousness, you know, as humans, then, then randomness is perfectly a fine place to leave that scenario for me. I appreciate that. <laughs> but for me, I think I'm a little bit different in that I enjoy 
kind of the exploring the the whys, even if it's totally gray and there's no black and white. Oh sure, yeah. Like there doesn't. I don't know any answers, but yeah. I enjoy exploring that. I guess I've, I I I come from an ideology that said. Um, if we don't know, we're just going to start making stuff up that we don't have any evidence of. And we're going to, we're going to base our lives off of that. And for me, that's where I'm perfectly okay with saying, I don't know. Yeah. And, and that is okay. Right. So I I agree with you there. (laughs) I like the, I don't know answer. Yeah. As soon as you start throwing in supernatural, this and that, that's kind of where I check out. And right. would rather leave it at, well, I, I don't know, but it is fascinating to think about. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm with you. So maybe much of this comes down to is, is this, you know, conversation even necessary? <laughs> what, what, how does this change things? Well, and I, I, yeah. I mean, it might not actually matter in the grand scheme of things because in a way, if whatever's going on in the operating system of the universe is going on, mm-hmm. then we can't really do anything to change that, I would say. I think it matters, in, for me, it matters in so much that I can quickly move on from ideas that are more supernatural-based that don't have relevance to how I think the universe does work. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm not caught up in things that I feel are moving me down the wrong path. That's, that's where the, I see this as a valuable exercise. Yeah, I agree. For me, it's, I think it's the same thing working through at least some of this, the little bit that I understand anyway, as I think try, uh, in some ways helps me move towards ideas of religion and gods that I can, I can live with. Right now, there is one huge benefit that Harris talked about. If Mm -hmm. we're capable of giving up the illusion of free will that has moral implications and it's the idea of we really don't have a strong reason for anger for anyone else, knowing right. that their decisions aren't necessarily something that they authored. Um, and this this gets very tricky very quickly. I was going to say, I feel like this is another podcast. Let's just say your thoughts aren't something that you author. Then the idea of feeling bad about what you think can quickly go away. And if you then allow yourself that same compassion when it comes to doing things you might regret, you can quickly bring yourself to a place of compassion, knowing that there's a lot going on that you might not be seeing. Not to excuse the idea that you can make bad decisions. We have consequences and those are good. Those are actually part of the causal events to help us do things that are good okay. or each other. Reasoning. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, the regret that comes with all of the things that feeling like if you could rewind the universe, you could change what you did can go away. 
and that's beautiful. Right. That that I could see being a be- a very uh, potential very beneficial thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. This is really interesting, and I really have no idea what I actually believe. <laughs> but having all, but at least knowing some of these concepts and some of these ideas may help help me work through it. <laughs> exactly. To some yeah. extent. Well, this has been another fun episode of The Bacon Show. If you have any thoughts about our topic today, feel free to reply to anything that we said down in the comments that would be interesting yes Yes. help us we want to start conversations around these ideas and who knows maybe we can all learn something new hopefully hopefully well i'm stefan i'm mike we'll talk to you next time